Hey everybody, this is Keith Hancock alongside with my longtime industry pal, Christine DeVita. And welcome to another episode of Behind the Counter. Gobble, gobble. How you doing, Christine? Hey, Keith. How are you? I have a hard time looking at you <laughs> with that hat on, man. But this was a great idea to uh, bring in uh, the holiday season mm-hmm. with some fun uh, Thanksgiving hats. I got Tom Turkey on. As, and uh, I got Cook Turkey on. As Key and our producer pointed yeah. out, you're, like, you're before and I'm after. There you yeah, go. Basically. There you go. It's good. It's so. How was your week? My week's good. It's get. It's good to have you back. We really missed you last week. I missed it, being on the show. It's very upset. I had no internet. It wasn't the same. But on top of that, you know, as much fun as the holidays are, it's bittersweet because this is our season finale until mid January. It um, is. So it is. We'll be saying goodbye for a little while, but. So hopefully some people, in fact, people that have mentioned that they listen to us regularly, you know, said they have some catching up to do as it tends to go with podcasts. So I think, you know, we'll be back January 12th, I believe we said. Yeah, the, I think it's the week after the new year. Yep. January 12th will be the yep. release date. So everyone be ready until then catch up while well, they won't be listening to this. By the time they get there, they should be catched up. But it's 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 just good to be back. So bittersweet. but. Let's get into it. So we have yeah. Turnkey Turkey. So, Christine, you know, <clears throat> I've been reading a lot of the news, as I know you have. And we're going into the holidays. But obviously, staffing and supply chain is still the thing. And it's still the, the main po- focal point in the industry. But I found something, an article really interesting that I was reading um, a couple weeks ago. And I'm going to pull that up. It was a... Leaders get ready. Boomerang. That's what's coming after the great resignation. So they kind of dubbed great what we just went through, the great resignation. Yep. And now this article is predicting, you know, they were saying a record of 4.3 million U.S. workers quit their jobs in August. And quit. And that was in August. And the funny thing about that is that was when they were, when the um, stimulus was about to be over. If you remember, yes, that is correct. So now that is correct. Now the boomerang effect is now they feel that it hasn't quite happened yet, but probably after the new year, it's going to be the reverse effect. And now, as we kind of talked about, it's going to be harder for people to get jobs. I think it is because I think employers are just they've had it with the, you know, just the lack of, of motivation to go back to work. You know, my whole thing is. You know, the entire country is hiring. If you don't have a job, you just don't want one. And that's it. End of story. And you have no you have no will of no drive to go back to work because you continue to get whatever handout is being handed out by the government. And I think that's horrible because it has completely affected this industry. Um, But I'm hoping in 2022, like you said, the whole boomerang effect is going to take place and it's going to be in reverse. Yeah, I th- so we'll see. I think it could happen. I do question if it's going to happen in our industry, though, because like like we've said, it seems like a lot of people have kind of went out and fostered new careers and other things as as they've been out, you know, which is unfortunate. Right. So we're kind of in that grooming of new talent phase, so to speak. Um, right. It was, it was pretty interesting. But companies who have a strong culture, you know, and good right. growth behind them and good leadership and kind of create a path. In our industry, those are going to be the ones that come back. Those are going to be the yes. ones that come back strong. It's 
it's the people that I just want to kind of put some, I guess, warning out to, or maybe some free consulting advice, the smaller restaurant groups, the five or six, seven people that are out there that own, you know, 10, maybe 10 restaurants to really look at what their model looks like today in regards to how they keep their people, you know, because the reality is those types of companies tend to be a little old school, you know, as, yeah. as far as their methods of retaining people, growing people, building up their teams. Um, and, and I really think that they got to really look at what their culture is, their company values. Do they have a culture of trust? Um, what are they going to do? Because they're going to be the ones that are going to get caught with their pants down because the bigger companies yep. are going to be able to give those initial incentives <clears throat> to get people through the door. You know, um, I was reading in the, it was reading in the wall street journal. Also, it was, it was an article. It was a really good article. It was about catching up with two restaurants that have been battered by COVID. And one of them, yes, I read that. that's a, it's a good one. Did you ever read at goose feathers? I'll give a shout out. It's up in Terrytown, up by where the, it's up Terrytown where the headless horseman is from. Yes. Yeah. Really, really good restaurant. Um, they opened up a couple years ago, September of 2019. Celebrity chef Dale Taldi. He was he was was a top chef in New York. Top chef. Yeah, he was on Top yeah. Chef, and he was I think he was big in New York for a little while. And um, mm-hmm. they opened up Goose Feathers. They must crank during Halloween. If you haven't ever gone to Sleepy Hollow during Halloween, you have to. And check out the sites up there. It's, oh, yeah. re- it's really cool. You went this year, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, we go like yeah, every so year. Good. Every year. Just because oh, really? there's a lot to do up there in general. You know, it's nice. If you like foliage and all that fall stuff, Sleepy Hollow is the place to go. But, right. you know, that place opened right before the pandemic and then they got killed. And they got very crafty. It's a, it's a really good story in regards to how they kept their sales up. Uh, they jumped on the whole, they were not, Goose Feathers was not to be a takeout place, okay? They were going to, they wanted to be kind of like that eclectic crown jewel on the upper Hudson River type restaurant. They wanted to be right. the kind of restaurant that people from Manhattan went to, out of, that left the city to go dine at, and they wound up yep. getting killed, you know? And now they're, they're, they're a real story of now they're coming back. They, they went into the whole takeout model and they went into all that other stuff. Yeah, I think at, at one point it was doing delivery and takeout only from what I remember right. reading the article. And also he was taking up most of, the, uh, most of the deliveries when his staff ran low. So he was completely hands-on. He was, as yeah, he was literally delivering the food himself. Yeah. At one point, cooking it, packing it, dropping it off. Then they got involved with the third party deliveries. And then today they're still kind of victims of what we're dealing with, right? So they got supply chain issues. They've got delivery issues. Um, there's things happening right now in the industry where third party. So as restaurants are trying to use third party deliveries and pay those extra fees, third party sometimes shut that down because of their lack of staffing. Oh, that happens all the time with third party. Yeah, but more so now all the time. they just don't have the staffing. I could say 2019, probably not as much. You know, that, was, that wasn't as common as now. But the thing that... And you know what? Who's, who's uh, famous for that? DoorDash. DoorDash. DoorDash and Grubhub are famous for shutting it down. Absolutely. And reducing your, your location's delivery hours. Yep. They're famous for just completely shutting you down. Yep. Or they will sit there and minimize your delivery radius to accommodate their, I guess, delivery drivers or lack thereof. Right. Or yeah. they'll, do, I've heard of them doing the opposite where they overwhelm their drivers and then people don't get their food for like an hour and a half after they ordered it. 
You know, well, see, I, I have an issue with Grub. Like DoorDash doesn't come until you press the button and then they arrive. Right. Grubhub, the way that they work things now, and this is like a directive from like their operations team, is that as soon as an order is placed, they need to leave and go to the restaurant. So they're literally there as it's as it just printed up and they're waiting. Right. So I think it's. And then that affects your algorithm and your score, because now they've put in their tablet that they're waiting. Right. And now you have a lower rating because they're waiting and the order's not ready yet. But it's like you just put it in like two minutes ago. Exactly. Exactly. So. So I think that's a good message out there for people who listen aren't necessarily in the industry. Um, they, they really got to understand that it, when it's third party delivery, it's the person that it's the restaurant initially kind of selling the food to somebody else. In a lot of ways. And then they're the ones that handle it. So a lot of times what happens, just like supply chain, delivery chain from restaurant to door is a pain in the neck right now. And it's not always okay. as, as easy as it, as it can go. And on top of that, then there's delivery drivers who are trying to make a living, the aggressive ones. <coughs> and they deliver for two purveyors at one time, even though they're not supposed to. So they'll be on yes, Uber and they'll be on Grubhub. And they'll kind of like do both at the same time, have eight orders with them, and then they'll try to get them all out at that same time, trying to like double their funds. Which part- And those are the guys that get annoyed when the order's not ready when they show up at the place. Right. Just so you know, right. those are the guys that get annoyed right. because they have 16 other different orders in their car that's getting cold yep. because they're money hungry and they know it's peak season. So they're just going to go ahead and grab as much as they want. Exactly. And it's only going to get crazier during the holidays. So this is kind of a shout out to everybody. If you're dining and you're not in the business, just just like when you dine in restaurants, when you're doing the takeout thing right now or the delivery thing, it's a continued effort on the restaurant's part to do the best job that they can. And I can tell you, people in our industry, they want to do the best job that they can. There's no, no right. doubt about that. That's, they wouldn't be in the hospitality industry. It's not the food business. It's the hospitality business. They wouldn't be doing this if yeah. they didn't have a servant's heart and didn't have, yeah. have, have that wantingness to do that. Um, and, you know, and then leading into... There's there's been an uptick in customer tantrums and a bigger uptick in restaurants and hotels pushing back against this. So segueing into in the end, when we talk about our cove holes, it seems like the industry is pushing back against the cove holes. I feel like I have my head in a cove hole right now with this turkey hat on. But well, we have the new logo for the cove hole. Yeah. You saw that, right? It's beautiful. This, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm We're going to showcase it uh, the beginning of next week on social media. Yeah. And it's going to go out with the uh, with the weekly mailer. Yeah, they did a nice job on it. It looks good. So, Christine, I, th- I think out of all the articles and all the things that you and I have come across reading, the one we probably enjoyed the most is reading about uh, hotels and restaurants pushing back against the uptick in customer tantrums. <sighs> Yes, I I love it. I love it. And you know what? I'm happy that they stand up for uh, for themselves because I think it's absolutely ridiculous that these customers have, I mean, for the lack of a better term, the balls to get into anybody's face in a restaurant at this point. Right. Especially with this industry being the one industry that has not skipped a beat since this pandemic and made sure people had food. Right. It's like, what are you doing right now? Right. Everybody's getting too comfortable and they want, they want things to go back to the way it was pre pandemic. And it's not, it's just not, we're not there right now. We're not there. You guys got to give it a little bit of time. My advice to you as customers, if you have zero patience, then either fill out an application because I see those signs everywhere and jump on board and go to work or 
Just don't go out and stay home. Right. Do us the favor. So, you know, reading about some restaurants have literally resorted to just putting signs up saying, be kind or leave. Right. Um, you know, there, there was what there's this article speaks to somebody who's a general manager. It's been called lazy, berated for long waits. Um, wow. Staff no longer feels the staff feels like they have to walk on eggshells. And, you know, the general manager of this particular restaurant, they've been sticking up for the staff, which is what I would be doing at this point. You know, I just, I get so angry when I hear this stuff, especially when you call a manager lazy. Yeah. You know, that just all hotel, all hotels and all restaurants are kind of dealing with it. Um, I went to, I had a couple friends of mine that mentioned they went out to the Caribbean about a month ago. I think I might've mentioned this on here. And, you know, one day they would go downstairs and breakfast would be a full breakfast, the whole, the whole thing. And the next day it's like fruit salad, cottage cheese, and like wheat toast. You know, and then the next day it's like a full spread again. It's like, it's like, you, it's like you're getting what's you know, what's available. You're getting what they get. As long as you eat, don't worry. Get, you get what you get. And the, but they were cool about it. They were in the industry. They were like, whatever. We just want to be on the beach. Um, yeah. You know, customers always say that they're right. This guy. So reading this article, uh, general manager of the Providence Marriott Downtown Hotel in Rhode Island says the customer was always right. While well, they're not anymore. Um, completely agree. So it's a big campaign that's actually been launched in Rhode Island specifically. It's the be kind campaign. And it seems like there's a the the Rhode Island hospitality association has gotten behind this and it's, they're just, they're supporting restaurants and they're making signs and they're kind of like getting behind, trying to educate people as better as to what's going on in the industry. Now, the point of like, this conversation is not to belittle guests, obviously, because Christine, you know as well as I do, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be in business. Even us. Right. If it wasn't for the guests going to the restaurants that that come to us for consulting and recruiting and things like that, we wouldn't be in business. So completely, inadvertently, we need the guests. Completely agree. You know? Yes. But we want to just stay on this soapbox for a little while longer because it's not getting better and people have to understand that the industry, it's it's... People are getting beat up out there. So they are. And I don't think these people, you know, you're talking about, and I understand that our paychecks, or when we were in operations, our paychecks used to come from the guests. And now that's the trickle down effect for us because now we're in consulting and recruiting and marketing. And if our clients doesn't don't have guests, they can't pay our bills, so on and so forth. Right. right. But here's where I draw the line. That does not give anybody the right to sit there and disrespect any of the workers that are on shift, to demoralize any of the workers who are on shift, to call any managers lazy, right. to walk in after you've been sitting home all day, right. working from home basically, right? Because about what, 80, 80% of the workforce is remote, let's just say. Right. You're home all day in the comfort of your own home, working. You decide you want to take your family out, but then you want to have a chip on your shoulder because it's not going as quickly as you'd like it to be. Right. That's where I have the problem. Right. Walk a day in a service shoes or a manager's shoes or a dishwasher's shoes or a cook's shoes, and then come back to me and let me know if you're going to have an attitude the next time you go out. Right. I, I mean, seriously, am I wrong? No, not at all. And not only are restaurants kind of, I guess, fighting back from irate guests or people acting out of line when they dine out, they got to fight back against all the regulations too in certain towns as well. So they're fighting right. that fight. Um, 
reading about in California. Uh, there's bar. There's a big thing going on right now in Silf in L.A. County. I apologize. Local restaurants fighting back against the new COVID nineteen restrictions, because not only on top of you know places like New York and California do they have to go against the COVID restrictions inadvertently behind this, which I'm not really going to talk about, but they're piling on a lot of new labor laws too. So it's like a double whammy. So it's costing them more money in every which way that they turn. Um, and, you know, they're just fighting back with, in regards to what each person's findings of what the science is basically behind COVID. And they, they got to climb that battle. So it's still a long uphill battle, you know. And as we go into the holidays, and um, you're not going to be hearing from us for a little while until January. And I think by mid-January, it is going to be interesting to see how it all plays out in the holidays as as to where the industry is going to be going, because we really don't know. You know, I think the industry yeah, is going to pick don't. up. I think people are going to be dining out a lot. I think it's and it's going to people are going to want to feel some kind of normal this year in 2021 versus 2020. They haven't really had normal normal. They're probably going to want it to look a little bit more like 2019. And we want everybody to have that. But they got to remember, we're not quite there. So when you go out, please keep that in mind. Um, yes. You know, so be kind or stay home. Be kind or stay home. So I mean, seriously, what else are you gonna say? That's it. <laughs> it's like old me would have been like, sit down, shut up, and eat, and called it a day, and that's it. But it's be kind or stay home. Seriously, well, that's twenty twenty two is gonna be a lot better. That's why if we ever got out of this and opened up a restaurant, you're in the back, I'm in the front. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's why. That's why I'm always in the back. I can't be in the front. Yeah, There's yeah. no way. <laughs> don't even. Don't even have me go say hello to tables. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so let's talk about how can uh, restaurants get ready uh, for the holiday push, Keith? What kind of recommendations do you have? Well, first thing I would say is I would have models. I would have my sales projections in line already. Number one, I would. Okay. I would based off of what I'm trending right now. I would look at. Because it, it's it's not a normal year, you know. We're already seeing like we're picking up clients for recruiting. We're generally that would be dying off. So that, that that's already yes. something that doesn't happen because you know from being a director like me, you don't spend money on recruiters and consulting when you're closing the year out. You wait for the, your new now, budget. Now the last year. quarter of the month, you're not spending a dime. Exactly. That's it because you got to make your budget. But you know when you and I projected this year for our business, right? We we really thought that October, November, December, which is the last quarter of the year, we were just going to be dead and which is going to be kind of like vacation time for us. Right. However, that proved to be wrong. Right. So each week we're assigning anywhere between two to four clients. Right. We got some Michelin star restaurants on the, on the roster now, right. and it a complete opposite of what we thought was going to happen. So, so if, restaurants out there, go ahead. No. So if I'm a restaurant owner or I'm a restaurant manager, the first thing that I'm doing or I would have done already is I would have a sales projection per day done. That would that would have to be the first thing. So I'd, I kind of know what I'm looking at and I kind of have a compass to work towards based off of the trends I'm doing, based off of, I would probably use a model like how much I was down last year, but then what I did 2019, whatever the store did 2018 and kind of come up with a number. Just, just work off of that. And then I would I would have, look at what my current staffing is you're not going to, at this point, I mean, Thanksgiving's next week. I got a turkey on my head to freaking prove that. And like, yeah. so like, 
you're just you can't really at this point there's no point in hiring a ton of people in my opinion and throwing people at the problem what i would be looking at is how i can look at my sales projections how i can look at my staffing and how i can maximize my throughput with what i have and then anything else is incrementally good based on the hiring i can continually do during the holidays which is already atypical to what we would not be doing because normally when when i was working in times square running restaurants, I was, I literally right about now stopped hiring and did not hire or train a single person until after the new year. Cause I was, I would oh, just true. have myself overstaffed through September, October and build up to that because you can't focus on that. Cause then it was all about making money, but this year is a little different. Right. So I'd have, how, yeah. how, what are my sales going to be? How am I maximizing my throughput? Um, what do my floor charts look like? What is my cook line set up? You know, what, what is that going to look like? And then obviously what does my menu look like? You know? Yeah, true. I'd get on the, true. I would get on the phone with my suppliers and I'd be like, what can you realistically guarantee me that you can have until January 2nd? And I would, right. I would make that my core menu and then start running Christmas specials and stuff like that. True. True. You know, I agree. I agree. I would also do, um, see, I would kind of work it a little differently. I would base off, I would base my, uh, my sales off of my schedule, meaning that I would look at my schedule, mm -hmm. know what I have to staff every single day and then work out a reservation, um, True. program. Well, yeah. That's okay. So if um if I can only serve X amount of people, then I would cut it at that point, and that's it. And that saves me from a handful of things. That saves me from a poor guest experience. Mm -hmm. That saves me from you know disgruntled employees. That saves me from you know uh, not have you know having to tell uh, customers that I've ran out of food. I don't have it. It's off the menu. I'm sorry. So on and so forth. So I would limit myself to what I was capable of doing for that day. And I would just base it on who I have staffed. Yeah. And then that's, that's it. Actually a very, very you know? good point. I like that. So even, even like the Wednesdays. So now if restaurants are going to stay open for Thanksgiving, utilize that same model now for Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving right. and Thanksgiving and do the same thing for Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve and New Year's day. Right. That's how I'd work that because those, you got a lot of people that, you know, don't go out. But to be honest with you, 2021, already the airlines are saying, and this is how I could predict what's going to happen in the restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. Airlines are packed right now. They say it's it's back to 2021 holiday season is back to what 2019 is was for the holiday season. Wow. So given that is going to kind of predict the last couple of months of the hospitality industry, I think. Yeah. As long as there's no mandates within that area, What's, it's, meaning vaccine mandates, so on and so forth. Right. It's not just America. It's the world. You know, the world wants right. to get back out. And the other side of the pond wants to come to our side of the world as they tend to, especially in New York City specifically during the holidays. Well, yeah, now, now you have, uh, they're able to to hop on over now. Yeah. They're able to fly in. And, the, and I mean, that's, it's good. We just got to be ready to capture that, you know? It's it's going to be interesting. I, I I the restaurant dork in me is very curious to see how this all pans out and you know we'll be talking about this in January. Um I also I mean if you're a good hold on one second. No. If you're a good restaurant owner or manager or ops manager, director of ops, whatever position you have, right? 
you're going to know exactly what you're going to do for the holiday season. Hopefully. All you have to do is take every single, what you do is take month by month and compare it to last year. Okay. And then obviously you're going to be up in sales, whether it's 30% or 40%. Now take that and apply that to the holidays. Right. And reduce it by 10, 15%. And I guarantee you, you're going to be right on the money. Yeah, you're probably right. That's a, that's a really good point. Another thing I would actually look at too is on days, and this is this might be crazy, but on holidays where I would normally open, like let's say Christmas or Thanksgiving, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So you rather than open, maybe you kind of do holiday meal takeouts for the day that, that you're maybe give your staff a little time off and maybe try to capture the sale because you might make the same profit. I don't know. Thanksgiving actually is... Thanksgiving and Easter are two holidays that are big restaurant holidays that are growing or actually big at-home catering holidays now. People are doing that more and more. Um, I know someone that's a district manager for a supermarket chain, and she's telling me since 2017, they have gone up 30% in their Thanksgiving full takeout, like feeds a family of 10 packaging from, you know, from the salad to the turkey to the friggin' apple pie. And every year it's like more and really? more of that. So maybe that's one way to, to, to cut it off. Or you, if you do reduce your dining room even more, you start to, you start to maybe capture sales on holiday meal packaging for the home. You know? Yes. Um, yes. I think that would work well, really well in urban areas, maybe. Um, yes. Because, because that's, that's an area or like, you know, like a city like New York, you got a bunch of kids that move from all over. They come to New York. They want to be famous. They don't go home for Thanksgiving because they hear a starving actors. They might do that and have a Friendsgiving. You know, I would kind of, I would kind of push it along that. I would really, it's just one thing to look at, but I think outside of the box thinking is where we need to be right now. Um, oh, definitely. And, and I hope that yeah. restaurant owners and management are really looking at their staff this year and doing something nice for them for the holiday season, because right. these are the guys that hung in there. Last year holiday season when it was slow and we'll be there this year holiday season when it's busy um, and really probably haven't had the chance to be with any of their family yeah. in the last two years, especially with COVID. Right. So hopefully do something nice for your, uh, for your staff. Definitely. Definitely. That whole culture piece, culture and morale. Very, very important. You know what I used to find worked really well for culture and morale and it didn't cost a lot because the team was bringing half the stuff is, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving potluck. Yes. I used to zone off a part in the dining room, let people yes. bring all their food. And then, cause that's already the biggest drinking night of the year. So it is, you got it. You got your staff either going out, getting drunk. So you can put some food into their stomach or they got to say and deal with these assholes on the other end, you know? And <laughs> it just, cause you know what that's like, there's nothing I hate more than dealing with drunk people when I'm not drinking, you know? That is like the absolute, <laughs> like to be on the receiving end of that shit. No, I mean, I we've, know, right? uh, we've been there. Yeah. In your TGI Fridays days, I'm sure you've had the, f- oh. the fun of dealing with that. I mean, back then TGI Fridays. Oh, it was, was the busiest day. Mm-hmm. Busy. I think we actually had security in some of the Fridays. Oh yeah. You would because have. Because of the day before Thanksgiving. I would think crazy. So. I would absolutely. Oh, just so. trashed. Absolutely trashed. They would just get completely ossified. It was great. And we used to come out of the kitchen just to watch, just to watch the show at the bar. People getting tossed out, people being so loud and they just hammered. And then they would go to the local bar because we used to get off of our shift. We would go to the local bar and the same people were there. Right. 
I'm like, you guys, what was Friday's a pregame? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> wow. Like, how much can your liver actually take? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> if you, how much could ours take in 2007, uh, 2007? A lot. Listen, we were champs back then. We did well for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. We worked hard and we played hard and that's it. What happens in Manhattan stays in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> so um You can't you can't divulge too much of those stories, man. <laughs> before we go into Coval, I think what what are your holidays plans, Christine? What are you doing? I wanna I wanna hear So I am Monday I'm leaving for Florida, going over to the West Coast. Uh, to Bradenton to spend uh, the week with my uh, my parents for Thanksgiving. Um, and then I think Christmas, I'm doing the same. Nice. But it's going to be a long weekend for Christmas. It's going to be the day before Christmas Eve and the day after Christmas. Um, so what, four days, three days? Three days. And then I'm at four days. Yeah, so, and then I'm coming back to New York <clears throat> because you and I have a lot to work on also. Yeah, we do. For 2022. So there's no time to waste. We got to plan so, next year's podcast, our business. There's a lot to do. For me, a lot going on. So. I got to be honest with you. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I just wait to be told from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I think that's. See, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. I wish I could just have someone tell me this is what you're doing instead of me pondering, like, where am I going? Am I going to Dallas or am I going to Florida? Yeah. I, I like the oh. being told thing, actually. I just get told what day and what I'm cooking. At somewhere along That's the it. lines, I'm probably going to have to make lasagna. That's what I usually get stuck with making because I do a pretty good job and nobody else really? wants, nobody else wants to make it. Oh, yeah, you ground the sausage. It's the easiest thing to make. I know, but it's it's special when I make it. Did you ever make special. a lasagna and put hard-boiled egg on top? No. I'm telling you. No. No, but, you know, I grind the sausage in with the meat, and then I like to put thin layers of sausage at the top layer. Right. Ah, okay. Right. Then the okay. then the last thing a pasta, and then um, mozzarella cheese. Yeah, very very. Do you good. put any ricotta cheese in there? Or oh no? yeah, of course. Yeah, the cheese. I mean, that's the cheese oh. mix that I make. Cheese, ricotta, oh, okay. mozzarella, egg, and then I put a little in that cheese mix. Uh, extra virgin olive oil, oregano, awesome. and kosher salt. Kind of like mix that together. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got a you got a whole recipe. I gotta try your your lasagna. It actually, sounds delicious. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like that you have the shaved sausage on top. Yeah, so I do. I usually, if I make lasagna, I actually do two: one with the spicy sausage, one with the sweet sausage. Now, if you if you spend Thanksgiving with your family, like how crazy is the food? Oh, it's crazy. Like I'm talking your parents, your brother, your sisters, like. It's very, like it's, crazy? Uh, there's tons of, there's tons of stuff. Although I will tell you it's tapered off through the years, you know, not as okay. much as like, as it used to be like Christmas. Oh my God. Christmas compared to when I was Christmas. a Christmas. Do you get, do you do the feast of the seven fishes or not? We used to, but not anymore. Yeah. Do, do you still do it? Yeah. Yeah. You got, you're very yeah. traditional like that. Um, yeah. Uh, not, not yeah, so seven fishes and it's all in one pot with spaghetti. Oh yeah. That's the, it's, it's actually makes seafood sauce out of it. Yeah. That's with, uh, actually what we used to do now. Along with like 17 other entrees and side dishes and whatever. And there's always like the table that's full of the food and right. the table that seats the humans that are going to consume that food. Thanksgiving is the same. Right. I mean, but we, do you deep fry a turkey or do you oven? Oh, oven. Turkey? I don't like the deep fried thing. 
Oh my God. We, I'm hooked on deep fried turkey. I actually have a deep fryer in my closet over here. My dad did it once when they were still living in Long Island. That turkey cooks, what, in an hour and a half, an hour, depending on how big it is. Really? And um, it's moist. It's delicious. The skin is crispy. I mean, I will never eat a turkey any other way. Never. Deep fry it is. Those fucking deep fryers are Marinate burning down people's houses, I heard. Jeffrey- no, you got to do it in the uh, in the driveway. Yeah, yeah. On the concrete. Well, no. In the driveway. If, the- if you read the, um, the friggin' articles about how those idiots were doing it. That's what they're, they're doing in like their garage. I have a quick story really quickly. Mm-hmm. So it was last year or the year before we're at my parents. It's me, my brother, his family. I think my, my uncle, my cousins, my aunt. So there's just like a ton of us at my mother's house. Mm-hmm. So my dad has the turkey fryer outside at the head of the, dri- uh, of the driveway from the garage. Okay. So it's like at the head of the garage. Okay. My sister-in-law, my, my sister-in-law, Kara and I, we go outside and I'm like, there's all sorts of wrong with this right now. My, <laughs> the, the fryer is between the two cars. Okay. Right. That are backed up. All right. So the fryer is b- behind both bumpers of the cars. Right? right. And there's like four gas cans across the wall. And I'm like, I go in and I go to my mom. I was like, uh, mom, we have a problem. And I tell her the whole scenario. She hands me a box of salt. She goes, if anything happens, just put salt on it. I was like, this little box of salt, this big, it's not going to help <laughs> the mess of fire that's going to happen. If, if a wind takes that, that flame underneath that gas and just completely just torches the whole, the whole, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what's it called? Garage. But it was just like, how do you not prepare? Right. Accordingly, right? Like to go back, what you're saying. People are setting their houses on fire. Well, don't put your deep fryer between two cars that are filled up with gas, right? And with uh, maybe 10, 15 feet of where the gas cans are. There's it's a name smart. for people that do that. It's not cove hole, but it, I will have to come up with something. <laughs> I just thought of a good business idea. I for can't say it because my dad did it. Oh, okay. I can't say it. Next year, <laughs> we should consult people on holiday planning. And how to how to how to host it for free, out of the goodness of our hearts. Next year, holiday planning for anybody who listens to this, who knows me, the uh, the holidays will be still coming by the time this gets released. So please hit me up for free. Yes. I'd be glad to help you plan out your family thing. Because personally, when I go over people's houses, sp- specifically when it's closer family, specifically rather, and I see how they're planning stuff when there's a lot of people coming over, that's when I have to take control. Because you know, yeah. being in this being in this industry. Like we have, and it's hard to watch amateurs do this stuff, you know. It, it, it really is. And by the way, I saw the face you made, Christy, when I said lasagna with hard-boiled eggs. You ever try that? No, I just no. sent you the recipe. It's actually. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually. So I have. I had friends of mine. The way I got this—that's Sicilian style, apparently. They literally have a layer of hard-boiled eggs, and it's very, very. Good. Don't. I'm surprised because my family's Sicilian and never have I seen a hard boiled egg in any lasagna. The meatloaf, yes. Yeah. And it took me till I was 25 to realize how that hard boiled egg got inside of that meatloaf. I was could never figure it okay. out. Okay. I honestly but don't know how, but I never seen have it. I seen hard boiled eggs on a lasagna, unless it's in there and I never knew about it. But no. So I'm uh, 
a question I'm going to have to ask when we get off the podcast Dude. to the family. So a good friend of mine. So it's cold hole time. Last right, cold hole of it. the year. Um, yes. We defined what a cold hole was last week without you, Christine. And again, just okay. to reiterate what you said at the beginning, we will be launching the picture of our cold hole and we are going to be having some marketing stuff and things like that. Swag and some swag to people we promised it to. So that'll be coming out over the holidays. But a good friend of mine, I can't say the name of the restaurant because it's a chain, sent me okay. a good uh, cold hole. That I, it, was, it took place that's in awesome. Florida on October oh, 29th. And Go ahead, do it. Walk-in party of two were seated seven minutes past his 30-minute wait quote. So back, let me back up. I'm sorry, I should have prefaced this. This is actually the statement that he had to send to the corporate office. You're kidding. No, me. he sent it to me. I got statements from, from his employees. You, and the you got the statements. Yeah. I love it. Because you know, this is my cold fall statement. You know from being in the corporate world, you, HR wants statements. This one wants statements. Everyone's trying to cover. Oh, yeah, the whole, the whole, the entire corporate office. Yeah. If you're a chain restaurant, well, they need a statement if something goes down in your restaurant. Absolutely. And, and then too much. And then like a week later, they'll ask you to resend them again because they can't find them. They can't them. find Go them, ahead. right? Because yep. we have to protect the brand and, and, and our team too. <laughs> anyway, right. so I'm going to start this okay. again. Walking party of two were seated seven minutes past the 30-minute wait quote. Guest was using curse words with host and critical of operations and criticizing the operations. Once seated, the guest continued cursing in conversation with their server. Guest asked for a manager while eating shrimp and grits. He used profanity-laced language to inform me that one shrimp wasn't cleaned properly. His ass probably wasn't either. I informed him that I wanted to help him and listen, but that his cursing made it difficult, so he proceeded to yell louder and curse more. The entire bar was not paying attention. He was seated at table 209. I told him that he was served... Sorry, I told him that he was free to leave because he would not be getting any more service from us. Nice. Gotta love that GM friend of mine standing up for the staff right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. He pointed his butter knife at me while speaking, and I asked him to put the knife down. That made it more irate. <clears throat> so I asked him to leave and walk to, tab and walk to table away, hoping to de-escalate the situation. That didn't happen. Instead, he continued on cursing a tirade about immigrants through the dining room. I walked over to the table and asked him to please leave, and I pulled my cell phone out. He then spit out his food at me and said, you can do whatever the fuck you want, and continued cursing. As I walked away, he followed, so I led him to the front of the restaurant. I cleared the host area of guests and opened the door for him. He bumped me, got in my face, threatened me, and spit some more at me. And yet this guy still was not punched in the face. So if that's not professionalism, I don't know what. I, you know what? Listen, this GM, mm -hmm. I, we need, I need, I want the number because I want to call him up because mm -hmm. I'm sure his corporate office didn't do this and just congratulate him on handling that situation the way he did. We'll get him, we'll, we'll get him some special Cove Hall swag. <laughs> We're going to have to get him some stuff. Let's send them out some mugs. So listen, so the other guest then walked by and threw her drink in my face on the way out. You know, that's the second time. So I worked with this guy and he had a, a guest dump an entire goblet 
uh, sangria gobbler on his head once and did not flip out. You must be kidding no. me. Uh, the other wow. guests walked by through the drink in his face. He then tried pulling me off to the door. Some team members tried to come out, but I got them back in the building. I was able to close and lock the door with both guests outside. That's crazy. This is uh, this is back now to now he's got to lock the door because they're lunatics. Because they waited for seven no minutes past thirty minutes. Wow. I coached all the team members involved and the managers on what to do with guests of profanity and blah blah blah. P.S. The guests the guests left their credit card behind. No, they um, in the spirit of the holidays, why I wanted to save this for this, he asked me not so to really say the name of the guest because you know how you you just have to be secure. But I will just, say this: just give the first name. I will say this: give the first name, the reindeer that has a red nose. That's the first name. Oh come on! Legit, that is oh. the first name of the guest. You're kidding nope. me. Oh, that's great. So he's that's great. So we have Rudolph the red nosed cove hole to end us at the end of the year with a with a great <laughs> cove hole. Thank you, that's Rudolph awesome. the red nosed cove hole. We appreciate your business on the cove hole channel here at setting the table. And with that, Christine, and that is not only the definition of a cove hole, but that is the true definition of a complete tool bag. Yeah, right there. Definitely a tool bag. That is it. Definitely a tool bag. All right. So anyway, I think that brings us to the end until January. Yes. Guys, thank you for listening to Behind the Counter. Keith and I would like to wish everyone a healthy and happy holiday season and a successful new year. We'll, we will be back with season two of Behind the Counter in January <coughs> of 2022. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram. Listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Behind the Counter is brought to you by DeVita and Hancock Hospitality. Come check us out at www.dhhospitalitygroup.com. Good night, everybody. See you next year. Good night. Good night.